I have always enjoyed this gospel because Jesus is constantly doing what you don't expect. Today, this, this gospel is the same thing. Think about this. Let me, let me point your attention to something. Um, let me see here. Now, Jesus has just gotten the message. Lazarus is very ill. And listen to this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, her sister and Lazarus. Listen to that next. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained in the place where he was for two extra days. Now, just stay there. Stay there. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days extra in the place where he was. Is that normal behavior? If you get a notice that one of your best friends is very ill in the hospital. Do you not consider that an emergency? Would you stay two extra days where you are? Almost, almost saying, eh, doesn't matter. And then, when he gets ready to go back, um, he, then he says to himself, now let us go back to Judea. And in the longer portion of the, because there's various options here that we have in terms of reading. Um, but when he goes back to, let me get it here. Now, let me read it from the longer version. Now, Jesus loved Mary and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard he was ill, he remained two extra days in the place where he was. Then after this, he says to his disciples, let us now go back to Judea. The disciples say to him, Rabbi, the Jews were trying to stone you there, and you want to go back? Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in a day? One walks in the day. He does not stumble. And then he said, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. So the disciples said, Well, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death. While they thought that he meant ordinary sleep, so then Jesus said to them clearly, because obviously they weren't getting it. Jesus says to them clearly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad because I, I'm glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go. Now, what I want to point out in this part is the unusual behavior of Jesus. 
You and I would receive an emergency phone call like that. And notice the word. I, I, I really enjoy thinking about words that we don't use very often, that we use often, but we don't, we, we, we stopped learning what they really mean. Like, for example, let me give you an, an example. I really dislike going to communion. I really dislike going to communion. Why? Because the word, we don't think about it anymore. You sh we should be saying, I'm looking forward to going to common union with the Lord. No, but we're going to... Did, did you even when we talk we say did you go to communion as if communion was a thing it's communion is not a thing it's common union and when we say did you go to mass as if mass is a thing it is the occasion in which you will go into common union with God. And so that's why I, I said I don't like going to communion. I think because we forget. We think it's just receiving receiving it. It. As if communion was an it. It isn't. Communion is a him. It's a common union with him. Anyway, I'm off track here a little bit. But the apostles don't get it. The apostle thinks he's, he's asleep. And Jesus said he's dead. Now, the word I want to investigate again, if you, got an, if you got a notice like that, that one of your friends was seriously ill, seriously ill, would you not call that an emergency? Yeah. Normal people call that an emergency. I have an emergency I have to attend to. Why, when Jesus gets an emergency call, he takes two extra days on purpose. He doesn't go running to the emergency. Now, I want to examine the word emergency and then ask the question, is it a good word to put Next to the word, next to Jesus. The word emergency is extremely simple. Comes from the word emerge, right? Emerge and see is something that emerges. What is something that emerges? Something you weren't expecting, something that just out of the blue comes out and it emerges. So an emergency is something you weren't planning on and something that you have to take care of because it's important. The character of an emergency is a reality that has the potential to overwhelm you. And so when you go into emergency mode, you go into emergency mode because something or some power has the ability to overtake you. And so... You prepare for an emergency. You respond to an emergency because of the seriousness of what is emerging. 
So why doesn't Jesus act normally? It's very simple. Because for Jesus, there are no emergencies. Let's just think about it. The definition of emergency is something that emerges that has the potential of overwhelming you. Is there anything that emerges that has the potential to overwhelm God? No. So, for Jesus, there are no emergencies. And so, they tell him that he's dying, and even though he doesn't use the words, Jesus says, in effect, he says, eh, so, and why? Because he knows death is not going to overpower him. And he says that as much. He, he says, um, he says, uh, so when, then Jesus says to them, to the disciples, Lazarus is dead. Listen to the next sentence. I'm glad, I'm glad for you that I was not there. It was on purpose. It was on purpose. I'm glad for you that I was not there. And he died. In effect, Jesus let Lazarus die. And why? He says, for the glory of God. Now, look at the next part. When he arrives, he finds that Lazarus has been dead for, in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was, get this, where Martha and Mary are, where Lazarus is sick, is two miles, two miles from where Jesus was. It's not like, ooh, we got a long trip to make. Two miles. And the gospel says, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, where Jesus was, only about two miles away. And he went, many of the Jews had already gone to Martha and Mary to comfort them. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she ran out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Now listen to what Martha says. Now it depends on your interpretation of this. But I think... If Martha was two miles, if Jesus was two miles away, which you can do in a couple hours, and Mary and Martha knew he was two miles away, they sent a message to him, he on purpose doesn't come, and Lazarus dies. Put it, you know, I'm not Jesus, of course, but imagine that, that, uh, that you want me to attend to a sick relative and give him the sacrament of the sick. And you say, Father, can you come? My loved one is dying. And I'm in Galveston, which is more, for, more than a couple of miles away, but given for a car, okay? And I say, oh, okay. And I don't come for two days and your loved one dies. Are you going to be angry at me? You should be. You should be. Now listen to what Mary, what Martha says. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, how was that said? 
was that, oh, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Or if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You chose not to be here. You were two miles away. You chose not to be here. I get a feeling that Martha is relatively angry at Jesus. And he says, but I know, I know that God will do whatever you ask. And then Jesus says, your brother will rise. Now, the next sentence I find very interesting because Martha responds the way, you know, you know when you have, when you go to a funeral and you got to talk to the, a person, a next of kin who have lost someone, and you know you got to say something, but you don't know what to say. And so whatever you say is going to sound yeah, trite. And so Jesus says something, and Martha interprets it in a trite way. Oh, thank you very much for having said that. We all do that. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And it's almost like Martha says, I know, I know. He will rise at the end of time in the resurrection of the dead. Thank you very much, Jesus. And then Jesus breaks it. Then Jesus looks at her. Notice that Martha thinks the resurrection is an event at the end of time. I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus reacts. He looks at her. I can just imagine when he looks at her and he says the following. I am the resurrection. Now picture yourself there. When somebody says, oh, your brother's in heaven, he was, he's okay, he will rise with the last day. And if you were there and the man looks at you and says, resurrection isn't an event. I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. The resurrection is not something. The resurrection is me. Now, I don't know about you, but that would send shivers down my spine. And that's when you have to invoke the C.S. Lewis, um, the, the saying of C.S. Lewis. When somebody says to you, I am the resurrection and the life, you're either talking to a madman, a liar, or the Lord. Look, I can tell you, I am the resurrection. I'm lying, okay? Now, I could be sincere and tell you I am the resurrection, but that, if I'm not lying, that would make me crazy. So C.S. Lewis always says, look, Jesus is one of three things. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he is the Lord. Now, Mary, Martha has just heard, I am the resurrection. She stood there probably with her mouth open, not knowing what was going on. And then he says, do you believe this? And I bet Martha had to swallow hard and said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the one who is to come into the world.
And then, as soon as he says it, Jesus comes into the village and he says, where'd you put him? Where'd you put him? Now, of course, he wants to visit the grave. And he goes to the grave, and when he goes to the, to the grave, he said, the Gospel of John in this, in this um, reading has the shortest sentence in the entire Bible. The shortest sentence. And Jesus wept. And Jesus wept. Now, we do not know why he wept. He knew he had the power of resurrection. I have a hunch that he wept because he knew he was experiencing looking around himself and looking at all the suffering that was being caused by the human condition at the present time. He didn't like having to see people suffer. I think he wept because he was seeing the suffering that was going on around him. And then he says, Father, then let me look at it here. He says, and Jesus raised his eyes after he wept. And he says, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this that they may believe that you sent me. Now, I want you to understand, Jesus' miracles are not done just because he likes people. He loves people. But he doesn't do miracles. You know, we don't, I often like to tell people, we don't have records from the ancient world of mass healings of hundreds and thousands of people. Because imagine, if Jesus would have healed all he came to him, we would have records of people telling people and being a mass, a mass entrance of people from hundreds of miles away. And that would have been recorded even by the Roman emperor. Jesus does miracles so that people may know that he has the authority to do what only God can do. He is God. And that's why he does miracles, to show his mastery over nature. And that's why he says, I know you always hear me, but I say this out loud because of the crowd. I have said this so that they may, be, so that they may believe that you sent me. And then, very simple, he says, open up the tomb. Now, nobody believes him right yet. The reason is because Martha says to him, he's been dead for four days. He's going to stink. And Jesus says, move it. And then, no hocus pocus. He just stands there and says three words again. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out. Now, I can guarantee you, I can go down here to the cemetery and I can stand before a grave and go, come out, and nothing will happen. Absolutely nothing. But a man 
who has the authority to raise someone who's been dead in a tomb for four days. That's not normal. And that's why he was doing it. And so today, what you, I, there are several things that I take away from this. One, my favorite is, I, whenever I get upset and I think, it's an emergency, it's an emergency, it's an emergency. I go, no, it's, it's not. If I really trust in the Lord, I will respond in, with due diligence but I will not respond with an exaggerated form of haste, which basically means that I don't trust what God's doing. I'm not in charge. He is. Why things happen sometimes? Good things happen. I mean, bad things happen to good people. I don't know. But I do know that God allows things to happen for his reasoning. And I don't have, I'm not privy to that. So sometimes God lets, it, lets things happen. And I, believe me, as a priest, I come constantly hearing people, I'm constantly in the presence of, quote, tragedies. And I'm constantly hearing people go, why, why, why did this happen? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that it's not God's will. Whenever you talk about God's will, you have to remember that God's will, you have two understandings. One is, I want this to happen. And the other is, I don't want this to happen, but I'm going to allow it for a greater reason. And a lot of times, God allows things that I don't understand for a greater reason. The best, the best understanding I have, and I'll, and I'll end with this, have you ever seen a tapestry, a beautiful tapestry? Look at a tapestry from behind. And what do you see in a tapestry from behind? A bunch of threads going all over the place. They look like nothing. Horrible. Makes no sense. Walk on the other side of the tapestry, and you see a beautiful design. Just because you're on one side of the tapestry and you don't see the design doesn't mean that there isn't one from another perspective. Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. And my chief takeaway is still that. For him, there are no emergencies. I hope, with God's help, to respond in due diligence, but not to let myself be controlled by things that are so-called emergencies.